Well, good morning, Mile City. Uh, we're so happy that you're joining us this morning. And for those of you that are joining for the very first time, I just want to say that I'm so happy that you're joining us, so, so thankful that you're joining us. Well, today is December 27th, and it is officially the last Sunday of 2020. How crazy is that? And I'm sure it's not just me who thinks that this year was like a never-ending tunnel. And uh, so in some ways, we just want to like get over with it, you know, put 2020 in the dustpan, call it history, and just move on and move ahead. But as I was preparing for this message, I felt like the Lord wants us to apply a bit of break and stop and reflect and think about it. Because I know that while there are some of you who can say that this year was like the greatest, I, I learned a lot, I grew a lot, and I'm so pumped up to move on. There's, there are a whole bunch of you who, who is feeling quite the opposite, who feels that this year was like the most confusing, most challenging, most draining, and you have all the emotions that are stirring up inside of you, this emotion of fatigue, anger, bitterness, the sense of loss or sense of even failure, and you just don't know what to do with it. You know, our family moved to the United States uh, February of this year. And when we were like coming over here, we were like so excited. We had a great expectation. You know, we had a great vision to reach the, the local Japanese people, to start this new church. And we even had a name for our church. Now, do you want to know the name of our church? It was a tentative name. I could tell you, but you have to promise me that you're not going to laugh, okay? Well, we were going to call our church the In-N-Out Church. The In-N-Out Church. Because we were so excited that we wanted to share the gospel and bring people into our church and just help them with their life, disciple them, train them, and then eventually send them out as missionaries and send them out as church planters. So we're like, yeah, In-N-Out well, apart from the fact that it sounds awfully like the, the fast food chain in California, it's, it's a great name, don't you think? So we're so excited, pumped up. But then what happened? Well, a few weeks later, after we arrived, the shutdown happened. And we were like, we couldn't go anywhere. We're like, lost. And I have to be honest with you that like back in April, back in May this year, I felt like I was a dead tree. Lost, dry, and I'm yelling at God. I'm screaming and shouting at God. God, I didn't come here for this. I, I don't even know what I am doing. And perhaps many of you are feeling that way or felt that way this year. So as we go into the new year, we decided to start a new series called What Would Jesus Undo? to allow ourselves to question when Jesus looks at some of the things that we did or the things that we said, what would Jesus undo? When Jesus sees some of the habits that we formed this year, what would Jesus undo? What would Jesus undo from the thing that we did, thing that we said this year? And maybe it's from guilt, and that's what I want to talk about today. What would Jesus undo? Jesus would undo us from guilt. Now, what is guilt? Well, here's a definition of guilt. 
Guilt is a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, crime, wrong, whether real or imagined. Now, I have to say at the outset that not all type, all guilt is bad, right? You do need some level of guilt to say sorry to people, uh, to repent before God. You need some level of guilt to, you know, stay humbled. But the enemy, and when I say enemy, I mean Satan, can take advantage of the guilt that you have inside here and cause you to lose confidence in yourself, cause you to lose sight of God, cause you to, to tear that relationship that you have with God. You know, the enemy is like a, a skilled chef that it can cook up that feeling of guilt inside of you using anything. And sometimes the enemy will use maybe your past mistakes and then put it on a pan. Sometimes the enemy will use some of the things that you said to people which you are feeling sorry about and then put it in a pan and he will cook it with a fire and boom, what, what comes out of it? Guilt. And he will whisper into your ear saying, hey, who do you think you are? Do you really think that you can do that? Do you really think that you're worthy enough to do that? And Satan, for that reason, can work with just about anybody to tear that, to separate you from God. You know, did you know that that great reformer, Martin Luther, also struggled with this idea of guilt, also struggled with this idea of shame. Now, if you don't know who Martin Luther is, he was the, the great reformer, right? He was the one who changed the, the history of the church in the 16th century. He was so fired up and so industrious that he translated the entire New Testament in just 11 months. How crazy is that? And after he studied the scripture, he learned something that we're not saved by doing all the works, by lighting up the candle and doing all the sacraments, but we're saved by God's grace, which we, we can only receive by faith. And when he learned that, he, he, need, he felt the need to confront the Pope. And he confronted the Pope, and for that reason, he almost got killed by it. But did you know that it was not always like that for Martin Luther? He was not that strong from the beginning. There was a time... When he, before he became a great reformer, there was a time when he was hiding in a monastery, hiding from people because of the shame that he had. He felt like no matter how much he confessed before the Lord, it was not enough. Guilt can affect anybody. So before we go into this new year, I believe that it's important that we let God undo our guilt. And to do that, Rather than me speaking, I want the Word of God to speak to you. So let's open the Scripture. But before we do, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you do and all that you have done for us this year. It's literally the, the last Sunday of this crazy year that we had. And we just want to stop and reflect today and think about how you were working in our lives this year and help us to really tackle this shame that we have, this idea of guilt that we are affected in many ways, God. Help us to, to see that, God, today, how you want to heal us 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, today we're looking at John 21, chapter 21, which is the last chapter of the book of John. And just to give you a quick context uh, of what is happening in this uh, section of the book, this is taking place after all the dust has settled, after Jesus did all the miracles, when people saw Jesus walking on the water, healing the sick, and eventually he dying on the cross and resurrected from the dead. And after all that has happened, Jesus appears in front of the disciples who happens to be fishing on the boat. And Peter, when he sees Jesus by the shore, he gets excited and he just decides to jump into the water and swims to the, swims to the other side. And Jesus is waiting for them. And this is where I want to take off to the scripture. Verse 9, it says, When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Now, this could have been like a happy reunion kind of thing. You know, with Jesus and disciples having a wonderful time, having a wonderful meal together. They're talking about all the stuff that they did. They're eating together and Jesus would eventually go back to heaven and the disciples would just simply move on. But there was one disciple who couldn't move on, and that's Peter. Peter was hiding something. He was carrying something in his heart. And to really understand what is going on in Peter's heart, we really need to kind of read this passage and close our eyes. I want, this is what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes and imagine a fire, a charcoal of fire burning in front of you. Now, if you're driving right now, please don't close your eyes, okay? But if you're like in a living room and you're, you're sitting in front of a fireplace, perfect. Just look at the fire and try to imagine what is Peter thinking? What is stirring up in his heart right now? Now, as Peter is watching this charcoal of fire, he's not just looking at the fire and the, and the, the fish, but he's, he's thinking about the last time that he was sitting in front of the fire. Now, many commentators point that the way John, the writer of the book, uses the word charcoal is very intentional because this word charcoal only appears only twice in the entire New Testament, one of which is mentioned here in John 21, and also the other one is mentioned in John chapter 18, which is a scene of Jesus his crucifixion, just before Jesus' crucifixion. Now in John 18, Peter was in a courtyard of the temple, and he's just warming himself up. It's cold. And inside a temple complex, inside one of the rooms in the temple, Jesus is being interrogated. Jesus is being accused. Jesus is being questioned. Who do you think you are? They're asking. You, you call yourself the Son of God? Jesus is being slapped. Jesus is being ridiculed. And when all of that is happening, Peter is waiting outside in front of the fire. And all of a sudden, this girl comes up to Peter and says, Are you, wait, I think I, I, think I saw you. I, were you not part of the, that group that recently kind of stirred up the pot? Uh, what was his name? Oh, Jesus oh, he's being tried right now. Were you not one of them? And Peter 
gets scared and, and says, what are you, Jesus, what are you talking about? I'm just kind of warming up myself up here. What are, you, what are you talking about? He denies Jesus. And sometimes later, a man comes up to Peter and say, ah, uh, have we met? Have we met before? Oh, oh, no, no, no. You were part of Jesus' crowd, weren't you? And this time, not even flinching, Peter says, what are you talking about? I'm not part of Jesus. I'm just, I'm just here. I just want to be here. And sometime later, another man comes up to him. Wait, were you not with Jesus? And then again, Peter denies Jesus. What are you talking about? I don't know him. And in that very moment, a rooster crows just as Peter prophesies. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Or if the rooster is Japanese, Kokekoko. Or if the rooster is Korean, Kokeo. Now, isn't it profound that roosters crow differently depending on where you are? But it has nothing to do with my sermon, so let's move on. But Peter denies Jesus three times after all that he has seen, after all the miracle. He even walked on the water. After all that has taken place in the critical juncture of Jesus' life, Peter denies him not once, not twice, but three times. And the rest is history. Jesus is taken to the Romans. He is again interrogated and then whipped. Oh, the whip that they used was like that sick. Blood gushing out of him. A crown of thorn was put on him. And he carries a cross to a place, a small hill outside of the city. And then eventually he is crucified, carrying the sin, all the sin of the people, including yours, including mine. He dies on the cross. But that was not the end, was it? This is never the end for Jesus. Three days later, he resurrects, he comes back to life. There's victory. And Jesus, after three days, he's being seen in front of so many people. And few weeks later that, fast forward a few weeks, he's now sitting with the disciples in front of the same fire, the charcoal fire. And what is Peter thinking? He must be confused. He must be thinking, what should I say? And what would you say if you were in Peter's shoe? Would you say, um, Jesus, uh, how are you? <laughs> Would you say that? Or, if, you know, whenever I don't know what to talk about, I usually talk about the weather, you know. So maybe I could say, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, it looks like it's going to be a sunny day today. You know, would you say that? Well, Peter didn't have to say anything because it was Jesus who spoke first. And this is where I want to take off to John 21, verse 15. This is Peter and Jesus talking. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? More than these, more than all the disciples, do you love me, Peter? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus replies, feed my sheep, feed my lamb. 
And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? By the way, Simon is the official, the, the real name of Peter. Peter, right, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. But that was not the end. Because Jesus for the third time asks Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, this was the first personal conversation that Peter had with Jesus after the resurrection. And Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And because he repeats that question over and over again, Peter is like offended. He says he, he was grieved. Why do you ask me so many times? And I guess the question that is on the table for us is why did Jesus ask Peter, do you love me? Not once, not twice, but three times. Now, if you have a twisted personality like myself, you could read this conversation like the one that you have with your spouse, perhaps. Did I not tell you to wash the dishes? Why is it still here? Do you really love me? Did I not tell you to stop by at Kroger and buy, buy those sauce? I need them. You forgot. Do you really love me? What? You brought me nothing? Today's Valentine's Day. Do you call yourself a husband? Now, last one is based on a true story. Okay? No, but, but it cannot be that. It cannot be like that because Jesus never doubts. Because doubting is based on a premise that you have or he has a limited knowledge. But Jesus knows everything. He even knows the number of hair on your head. So Jesus cannot be doubting Peter. So why did Jesus ask Peter, do you love me three times? Well, Jesus is giving Peter an opportunity, isn't he? An opportunity to affirm his love for Jesus. And remember, because Peter denied Jesus three times before the crucifixion, he's giving him the opportunity to cancel his guilt that is deeply rooted inside of him. An opportunity to cancel and remove that guilt by affirming his love for him. And here's a point that I really want to make today, that true healing comes by responding to Jesus through our worship. True healing can only come as we respond to the love of God, the love of Jesus through worship by affirming our love for him. Now, this is a, a rather difficult, maybe confusing concept to understand because the world will tell you otherwise. The, the world will tell you this, that if you want to feel good about yourself, try to love yourself more. Get that flab off your belly. Lose 10 pounds and you will like yourself. Stand in front of the mirror. Stand in front of the mirror every day and say at least 10 times how awesome you are, how beautiful you are. You know, I am from the land of Japan and there were just so many motivational seminars that people 
could attend. And people flock to these things. There are, there are classes that teach you how to dress better. There are classes that you, uh, you can take to how to speak better, how to, to convey, uh, to communicate effectively. Now, there's even one that is rather strange. They will take, up, take you up to a mountain, a temple high up in the mountain, and they will make you meditate. And if you budge a little bit, be careful, because there's a monk standing behind you, and he will slap your shoulder like mad. And the idea is to, to purify your thoughts that you can, so that you can be a better you, I guess. You know, I recently read the news from a major uh, news source here in the U.S. that just in the month of October, in Japan, people who die from suicide, the number of people who die from suicide is greater than the number of people who die from COVID in the whole of 2020. Now, I cannot speak for the U.S., but I guess I can speak for my for my own nation, that at least in Japan, that self-love method seemed to be not working. But Jesus here says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because he knows that true healing for Peter comes only as he responds to the, the love of God, the love of Jesus that he poured out upon him. That's when true healing can come. You know, when Jesus began his ministry three years ago, the, from the moment he woke up, the moment Peter woke up until the, the moment he went to bed, every single day, Jesus just loved Peter. There's a, a scene in the, in the New Testament uh, where Jesus meets Peter for the very first time. And Jesus says, ah, so you are Simon the son of John. You know what? Let me give you a nickname. I'm going to call you Peter. And from that moment on, oh man, Jesus spends time with him. Jesus takes Peter wherever he goes. He even, they even go up on a mountain. When Peter sees Jesus being transfigured, Peter sees the glory of God shining through Peter. And on the last week, just a week before the crucifixion. Jesus washes the, the feet of Peter. So much love, so much love. But on the night before the crucifixion, Peter denies, Peter denies Jesus three times. Peter was listening to Jesus all that time. Peter was looking at Jesus all that time. But he was not truly responding to Jesus as the Son of God. He didn't really know who Jesus was until he saw Jesus on the cross and until the Jesus was resurrected. And now that Jesus is resurrected, now that Jesus is standing in front of Peter, Jesus is asking, Peter, now that you know who I am, do you love me? Affirm that love. Because if you're just listening to all that I said, all the stuff that you will come into your left ear and go out the right ear. It doesn't really heal you anything. You have to affirm your love for me. You know, when I was in Korea, I used to live in Seoul, and it's a big city. And as you're driving down into the city, 
there was a big sign post. And it was so big that you just couldn't miss it. And the sign said, Jesus loves you. And if you go to Seoul today, I bet it's still there. It's been there for a while. And as you know, the Seoul is a big city, so tens of, literally tens of thousands of people will pass by the sign. And I, I myself have drove past that sign like, I don't know how many times, like so many times, but I never saw anybody literally pulling their cars over and stopping by and say, thank you, Jesus. You know, they just kind of drive past it. But isn't that what we do? During the whole year, 2020, Jesus has been chasing after you. Jesus has been shouting at you. I love you. You're so precious. You're so beautiful. Even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear because I am with you. When you're feeling alone, as if you're the only person on this planet, you don't need to grieve because I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I want, I want to take that burden off you. I want to carry the sin that is in your, in your heart and I will die for you. Jesus has been shouting all around, all throughout this year. And he even say this, that if you fall, if you ever fall, don't just give up. Turn around from me and start walking the other way. Turn around. I want to embrace you. I want to forgive you. That's why I die for you. As far as the east is from the west, I will remove your transgressions from you. You're forgiven. I don't even remember your sin. But when Jesus is shouting for you, what would you do? What did you do? And I have to admit that I'm speaking to myself, what did I do? When Jesus was speaking all of that throughout the year and throughout our life, what did we do? We just drove past it. And Jesus today is asking all of us, hey, respond. Do you love me? Because unless you listen to it, unless you receive it, unless you believe it, unless you confess it and respond to it, you will be the same you. You will not be healed. I want to heal you. Do you love me? And it's that confession that heals us. But if you notice, Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. Which is kind of interesting if you think about it. He doesn't say, oh, let me feed you. Oh, I know that you're hurt. You know, I know you're cold. Let me just feed you. Here is some grass that you can munch on. He doesn't say that, but feed my sheep. He's saying the same thing. Respond, respond. Don't just be fed, but respond to me. Respond to me. And when I say respond, you know, when the Bible or the scripture says respond, it's not a vague concept. When the scripture says love God or love Jesus, it's not some kind of a mystical experience that we're inviting you into. But whenever the scripture talks about the love of God, it's tangible, it's concrete. When God says, I love you, he's not like just shouting from the sky with a heavenly voice, I love you. It's not like that. 
when God says, I love you, he actually sent his son Jesus to die for you. Love is concrete. Love entails action. And for that reason, when Jesus says, do you love me? Confess, my, confess your love to me. He's saying, feed my sheep. That when you truly receive my love, when you truly receive it, that love from me would overflow to other people around you. So feed my sheep. And he's not saying that to like, enslave you. He's not saying to, to give you a hard time. But this is God's way of healing us, transforming us, renewing us. God doesn't want you to be confined, but he wants you to shine. God doesn't want you to be confined, but he wants you to shine you to, by using all the gifts that you have for other people to, to, by going out there and loving the people that God loves. Now, um, I'm just going to end with this. I talked about Martin Luther before. And remember how I said that there was a time when Luther, this great reformer, was struggling with this idea of shame. There was a time that, that when he was just hiding in a monastery as a monk. Because no matter how much he confessed his sin, he felt like it's not enough. But do you know what, what changed it? What healed it? Well, one day, a professor knocks on his door, a professor from a local school. And the professor asks him to, to teach in one of his class, you know. And when Luther heard it, he's like, no way, Jose, I'm not going to do that. I'm the least qualified. Look at me. I'm a sinner. But because the professor insists over and over again, in the end, Luther says, okay, okay. He unwillingly begins to take on this role as a, as a teacher, as a professor of a local university. And because he's teaching in the class, he, need, he needs to study the scripture, right? And he does it before the class. He studies Romans. He's teaching Romans. And one day he comes across this passage in the book of Romans that says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written. The righteousness, the righteous shall live by faith. And this was a game changer for Luther because he believed up to that point that he needs to be righteous, that he needs to be perfect because look, God is righteous. But as he studied the text, he notices, notices that no, I don't need to cling on to my righteousness, but I can just cling on to the righteousness of God. He notices when he, he, he flipped on the page in Romans, when he looks at all the books in the New Testament, that what God is saying is that I am not saved by how perfect I am, but I am saved by how perfect Jesus Christ is. And that's how Reformation began. You know, back in those days, there were only Catholic churches, and Catholic churches were becoming corrupt. It was all about legalism. It was all about politics. But Luther brings people back to the Scripture. And that's how the churches started popping up starting in Germany, and then he moved to, 
to Switzerland and to the Netherlands and they crossed the channel to England and eventually the, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ came across the Atlantic. It came to the United States. And for that reason, you have Miles City Church and for that reason, you have this random Japanese guy like talking to you today. And it's all because Luther responded. It's all because Luther responded to the love of God. Today, Jesus is knocking on your door. And he's not knocking because he wants to come in. But he's knocking because he wants to take you out and let you explore all the exciting things that you can experience in the year 2021. So let's close this ear with this question, just meditating on the, these questions. What guilt needs to be healed today? When you do a, an inventory check of your emotions right now, what is preventing you from having an intimate relationship with God? What is like stirring up in your heart? Is it shame? Is it the fact that you are always so emotional? Is it the fact that you cannot be nice to your spouse? Whatever that is, let's do an inventory check. What is Satan cooking in your heart? And how can I respond? Remember that the only way in which we can be healed is not by trying to love ourselves. It's not, try, not by speaking into the mirror of how awesome you are, but responding to the love of God. God, thank you for dying for me on the cross. That even when you knew that I, I'm going to fail, even when you knew that I'm going to mess up in 2020, you still gave me life. How can I respond to Jesus' love? How can I respond? Is it by spending more time with God? Is it by committing or curving some time in your daily life to pray and to, to read a scripture? Whatever that is, respond to God's love. And how can I serve my sheep in 2021? Remember that one of the ways in we, we respond is is by serving, is by loving our brothers and sisters. And that's, that is God's way of healing us. So think about those things. Now lastly, I know that there are a whole bunch of you who are watching this who have not decided to respond to Jesus, who have not really responded initially to God's, God's love. And you have something in your heart, something that is dark, something that gives you that feeling of, feeling that you can't breathe, feeling of suffocation. And I know what can heal it. I know who can heal it. And that's love of God. That is Jesus Christ. And to know God, to have a relationship with God, you don't need to clear up your mess because you could never do it. But what you need to do is to cling on to the one who is perfect. Cling on to the cross of Christ. And even if you get to know Jesus, I do have to say this, that it's not going to be all merry-go-lucky. It's not going to be all lollipops and unicorns and all of that. Because after this passage that we look at today, Jesus talks about that if you follow me, there will be difficulties, there will be suffering. 
But one thing I can tell you is that, that if you decide to believe in Jesus Christ, you will never have to suffer alone. Jesus will suffer with you. So if you're like that, I don't know what's happening, what's stirring up in my, in my heart. I know that I'm a sinner and I, I don't have a way to cancel all this stuff, to remove all the stuff that I did in the past, but I want a way out. I want to be healed. If you like that, just close your eyes right now and pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for speaking to me and I know this was a message for me and I just want to say that I cannot save myself and so save me. I confess my sins to you. I believe that you, although I don't understand all of it, but I believe that you are my Savior, that you are my Lord, that you die for me. Say that to Jesus right now. I believe that you not only die for me, because you are the Son of God, you resurrected back to life. I believe in that, God. And so I, I just lower my pride and accept you as my Savior and Lord. Save me today. Say that prayer. Save me today. And as we continue to pray, uh, for those of you who truly meant that, well, the scripture promises that you will no longer perish but have eternal life. Father, thank you so much for uh, this year, and it was such a crazy year, a year that uh, was just so out of control. But thank you that you were in control. All the wounds that I have, all the wounds that we have, I know that I cannot treat it with any medicine out there, even with the vaccine. Nothing can heal my wounds. Nothing can remove my guilt. But I know that you can. I know that how much you love me, you, how much you care for me. I know that you have a plan for me. So I want to respond to your love today. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you so much. And I want to commit my life to you. Help me, God, as we move into the new year. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you made that decision today, remember to text the word my face to 94,000 and we'll reach out to you and follow you and get to know you.